Most societies or cultures have sought to identify what is good or bad, or what is right or wrong, so this subject is no stranger to you all. But what if the road to consciousness isn't paved with all the so-called rights, but with acceptance? The ability to accept that everyone's views on what is good or bad varies. It is subjective. The more we take a stand, perhaps the more friction we will incur as we enter into duality. Now it's important to note that on this podcast, we are discussing subjects and how they relate toward both physical wellness and subtle energy wellness through the management of emotions. Though we discuss sensitive topics, our intention is not to challenge one's moral or religious perspectives. So now let's open our minds, lessen our preferences, and expand our perspectives to the possibility that we're all both right and wrong. Woo! Mind blown. Let's journey. Wise with Aaron and Alexander uncovering our authentic self through self-awareness conscious communication and emotional responsibility all right everybody welcome to another episode of wise wise now before we get started I wanted to give Alexander here a little shout out because he actually has Mr. Creative over here, he does more than just a philosophy. He actually has uh, a, an album out of music that he has made completely on his own. And many out there do not know about it because we've never mentioned it on the podcast. Uh, it's been out since January, since we launched the podcast. So Alexander, uh, tell the audience about your music and where they can get it. Wonderful. Thanks. Uh, so yeah, so one of my most recent releases is called Wisdom Journey, and it's a compilation of songs that I've written um, over the last 10 years, and it is really um, part of my healing process from going through uh, losing a wife to cancer over 10 years ago. And uh, so it's been a, it's a, a five-song release that later on I will be releasing the other six uh, to complete the album hopefully within a few months. Uh, but the, the songs on this album, I'm actually offering it for free download or by donation just because it was a lifelong dream of mine to create a, um, a project where I played all of the instruments and did the vocalization as well. So it's, um, it's putting my heart on my sleeve and just uh, sharing with the world um, some of my processing. And I have a, a few meditation-type CDs for easy listening and relaxation as well on there uh, for purchase on the website at www.vibrotune.com. So please check that out and uh, give me some feedback. I love answering people's questions as far as uh, the music goes. Then the therapeutic CDs go very well with the sound table, vibrational sound table um, that I have available for sale as well. 
So uh, please visit the website and check out the different things we have to offer um, and stay stay tuned for more to be released. So the album that we were talking about, uh, the musical album, not not just your meditation CDs, but the music album is actually you playing instruments and singing. So yes. I just want to make that clear. It's actually a real musical album, not just background music. Right, yeah. So it is a little bit more of the conventional uh, guitar, bass. There's still some sitar in it, um, some uh, other various indigenous-type instruments as well. But it's all tuned to a special uh, tuning of 432 rather than 440. So it has special sound healing characteristics in it, um, but they're not necessarily that noticeable. Um, they are very subtle. And so I still follow the the sound healing criteria, so to say, um, and put that in. But it's it's hidden in just um, typical music like you would hear, uh, you know, on the radio, uh, more al- an alternative type feel. So I look forward to getting feedback on how people are resonating with it. So everybody, it's free. <laughs> you can donate if you love it. Um, please do. Uh, but but anyway, get it because as Alexander said, it's his journey of healing and maybe there's some inspiration that you guys out there can gain from it. So today's episode, I wanted to discuss the polarity or which can turn into a duality of the good versus bad or right versus wrong mantra. And this is something that I feel like we struggle with on a daily basis. I know I do. And I know that since I was introduced to this through Alexander, it's something that I'm always reminding myself of in my brain whenever I get wrapped into what is good and what is bad because theoretically, it's all our opinion in a way through our experiences, through our associations. You know, what is good and what is bad? There's no there's no all-seeing person that is... I mean, that is creating, you know, a list of what is good and what is bad because there's, you know, we can do anything in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no list. I, obviously, there are the commandments and the Christian sect, but I think those are just like everyday human values that mm-hmm. most people aspire to. I know I do, even though I'm not, I don't, wouldn't label myself a Christian, but I think those are general guidelines for living. Um, and which most religions have a certain similar type of guidelines and there is a similar thread throughout uh, different paths or religious types. Uh, and like you said, it comes down to really a moral issue and just um, – but when we get into you know, really uh, the judgment of good and bad and what is right and what is wrong, of course, that's a very subjective subject. Um, so I'm not here to uh, dissect what's good and what's bad. I'm not here to give my opinion on that. Um, What I want to share is a different perspective of how to approach staying out of the entanglement of, of the duality of those two. Because normally most people will take a strong side on one side or the other. Um, And this is what uh, arguments and fights and wars are created around. Uh, So I think this is a good topic to touch on um, because as we go through the podcast and anybody that knows me, lots of times when I am asked a question, I will say the answer is always yes and no. And um, if you look at any subject with a wide enough uh, view, 
then typically you can find the yeses and the noes, um, find where something is both right and wrong. Uh, you know, and I want to start this off with just saying something as simple as like in the uh, natural world, if a mountain lion uh, kills a, a deer or a gazelle or something like that, you know, lots of people see that as bad or wrong um, because it's death and, you know, the the gazelle or the deer may not have ample uh, protection, but that's nature. And so the people that love the, the mountain lion think that it's good or it's right or it's necessary because that uh, needs that food to survive. But then anybody that happens to carry an affinity for gazelles or deer or the subject matter that the mountain lion killed to eat, you know, they look at that as in a negative light lots of times. So me going through my own experience with this, uh, you know, losing my wife to cancer and losing my father and now my mother and even a best friend. So I've been through a lot of death uh, for my age. And I saw that when I was going through losing my wife, that if I focused on what I had lost um, and chose to view that as bad, then my suffering was just going to continue. So I had to get to the point to see that transition as so-called good. And that has changed my perspective of that whole 11-year relationship. Because when I was working on my, the healing aspects of that um, transition, this is what I got to very quickly was that I could either focus on what I had or I could focus on what I lost. And in order to focus on what I had, I had to let go of the idea that what happened was bad or that um, for me to to stop resisting the actuality of it, um, that I'd, I'll call it getting, getting as real as you can get. And acceptance is the most real thing that a person can do. And lots of people go through tragedies and never really truly accept. Most people start to, to move on with their life without a proper acceptance of what has happened. And so this whole, um, you know, right or wrong, good or bad, um, as in other podcasts, I've dissected, you know, the difference between duality and polarity. And right and wrong, good and bad is in the world of uh, duality. But positive and negative is in the world of uh, polarity. And that positive doesn't have to mean good and negative mean bad. And I bring back the the idea of of battery, you know, of any type. It has a so-called positive end and a so-called negative end. But one's not good and the other's bad. Both are necessary. So that's the perception that I want to bring in, is that even if you don't approve with the, of the action, and I'm not condoning uh, things such as um, uh, killing or, or rape or uh, abuse or any of that. I'm not saying that it's okay. What I'm saying is that it is part of our experience as human beings. And in order to uh, experience love or have any concept of what that is, one has to go through hatred or judgment um, to experience that polarity, uh, to fully understand that. So 
this is the problem with trying to run from things or trying to convince people of like what's right and what's wrong is as soon as you take a stand, then it brings and invites in the duality. And someone that is looking to share information is careful not to make a stand so that they don't create the polarity energy to need to come in to uh, because remember life is created through friction through the act of friction so the act of manifestation um, isn't as simple as uh, many people have written about and many people teach about Um, in the world of manifestation, you're both going to manifest things that uh, you like or that you think about, and then you're going to manifest and attract in uh, the polar opposites as well Um, because we have to, uh, like I said, be able to experience both to fully understand one. And so this is just basically a changing of perception to get out of the idea of the duality and trying to force our uh, ways or our information onto others, and then to be compassionate when others are trying to force their ways onto us. And uh, this is a, a very delicate dance, uh, like you said in the beginning, um, because this isn't making a list of things that are right and a list of things that are wrong. It's changing the perception to be willing to see the picture from as wide of a view as possible. And normally, Opinions are drawn on limited information, and typically the more information that you get, the more compassion can come in. Yeah, you, you said a lot in, in, in that, and there's a lot I want to go back and touch upon. There's this good versus bad conundrum is loaded, and it's loaded with, or it has to do with, a lot of what we've talked about in previous episodes and going back to uh, a lot of the pillars. So one... In a previous episode, we talked about perspective. So in a sense, when you have good versus bad, you're, you have the choice of what perspective you want to take. And you can choose to uh, take neither and take a step back and accept that there is good things, in, at least from how you view, and there are bad things. Uh, but you've also mentioned that one of the only times we have free will is in our perspective. And I don't know if we mentioned that in the, in the last podcast, but maybe you can just quickly touch upon that. Yeah, because there are so many variables um, going on that influences. Um, you know, take the planets, for example. Uh, not everyone is into astrology or astronomy or studying the planets and the effects that they have. I happen to be, and I use that in my private practice, um, because there is very little doubt anymore that people believe that the full moon has an effect on on people. You can ask anybody that works in law enforcement or hospital and uh, ask them if anything changes around the full moon, and they will um, certainly let you know that that is a fact. It's been, of course, proven that the, the moon affects the ocean and the tides, And then with us being over 70% water in our body, uh, then it's just basic common sense that if it's affecting the ocean, uh, then it's going to affect us. And then due to the laws of physics and the way that things work on this plane, if one planet has an influence, then it makes sense to me that 
all of the planets would have an influence. And so once again, I'm not trying to prove this, but we have planetary influences, we have energetic influences that now Western science has proven that we do have an aura or an energy field around us. And this isn't just an Eastern view anymore. So when we come within three to five feet of one another and our energy fields merge, we exchange energies and we can actually affect um, people's uh, thinking, uh, affect their emotions drastically. And sometimes nothing even has to be said. There are empathic people that can literally just pick up and take on people's emotions or, or mood. Um, and this is what I help people in my private practice to dissect and to understand fully why they are taking on uh, other people's stuff and how to uh, manage that. So, so there's uh, also cultural influences. There's family influences. So when you put all this together and you're being influenced energetically, planetarily, uh, from your family, from your school system or your culture, there's a whole lot of influence going on there for people to think that they are truly thinking for themselves or truly drawing their so-called opinion from themselves. Most everyone has been trained in one way or another. So part of this is to to look at and accept that the one free will that we do have, that no one can change unless we allow it, is our perception. And we need to be very careful not to be hard-headed, so to say, or too willful with those perceptions. Because once again, the more a person takes a step back and realizes how they're being influenced, um, that can change a lot if you step back and look at that with an open mind or an open perception and work with learning how to break some of those influences. And so well, whether it's running reports and seeing, uh, you know, um, in one of the systems that I use, it breaks your year down into 52-day cycles. And every 52 days, the planets shift enough to bring in a different influence. And when I uh, found that, it just, um, it really made sense to me. And now, after working with um, hundreds and hundreds of clients, uh, it's, it's certain patterns when people come to want a session with me. Lots of times they will be, uh, many times, it's, it's eerie, they will be in what's called the Saturn period. And that's a very hard period to, to get through 52 days. I happen to be in the, my Saturn period right now. So, but it can give people relief as well. Because uh, intellectual knowledge lots of times gives uh, relief to anxiety. Because um, how we are thinking is what determines lots of the way our body reacts. It seems that we as humans choose to take a side good versus bad, right versus wrong, because we're trying to find what is right in all of this and whatever subject we're talking about or perspective. So when we try to take what's right, we are then placing a judgment on whatever we're trying to find. And we're also limiting ourselves to other information. So, and that's where a lot of conflict can come in, whether we're, you know, you're Facebook battling somebody. I know that's a big thing now. Um, it's important, like Alexander is saying, to just be open to anything because when you sh when you choose a side, you're then shutting down or shutting off any information that could make you see 
or or help you gain more knowledge that would open up your perspective. And I know this from personal experience. Uh, I feel like it's always happening to me. Um, so that's why I try to have a perspective that's so open that it can go either way. It's like fluid in a way. Um, yeah, because- and, and that doesn't mean that a person is being necessarily just Pollyanna or or afraid of conflict. Um, because, for example, let's take something as simple as the drug penicillin. The drug penicillin has saved many, many people's lives, but it's also killed some people. So, uh, so there could be two different sides of the fence saying penicillin is great and then another side saying, no, penicillin is bad. So with just about any subject that you bring in, there's going to be um, – there's going to be that variable of that you don't know all of the variables that are connected to this. So even something as that we all experience, such as death, um, you know, very few people in our culture celebrate death or that transition, even though we know that it's going to happen. Uh, we still have very um, archaic rituals, um, viewings of the bodies and different things that have been carried on for so long that most people don't even know why uh, they still do these things. So a willingness to break uh, tradition, so to say, is very challenging for lots of people. And this is where it gets into, once again, what's right and what's wrong. It really comes down to it's an opinion and that most people cater to other people's opinions to not create ripples, not to have to deal with conflict. And so something as simple as hurt people hurt people. And so when a hurt person hurts someone else, I'm not justifying that or condoning that action. But at the same time, I want to first come from compassion and accept, first off, that I don't understand all of the variables that this person has been through uh, in recent days, weeks, months, years, or throughout their whole life. Because a lot of people that do serious crimes, especially um, to the level of killing somebody, the majority of the time they have a good intention in their mind. And the majority of the time they have tried to get help out there. And whether it's the system or someone that has failed them, um, many, many times they have tried to get help. And it's unfortunate that they they slipped through the cracks. But – this whole, you know, this comes back to one of my pillars um, in the beginning episodes that either everything is in divine order or it's complete chaos. And if everything is in divine order, then everything has to happen the way that it does. And what limits us and our peacefulness through life is our ability to accept and our ability to see things from a broader picture. Because like I said earlier, I could be 10 years into my wife passing and I could still be bitter and I could still be mad at God, at life, at, um, at her. Or I could be where I am and work through acceptance. I happen to work with any major trauma, it being a minimum of seven years uh, to fully heal from something. Um, because every seven years, the body completely regenerates every cell in the body. So I work with people with trauma with this and with, um, you know, major uh, life changes 
to accept that it typically takes way more time for healing to happen than people really truly have a concept of. But see, after seven years, if you're not stuck in the story, there won't be 1% of you that's still connected to that story. But if you're still lamenting, if you're still not accepting, then that can go on through your whole lifetime and you never really uh, you know, get over that in a way that is moving toward wellness um, or healing. And you, you mentioned having a humbled view. And what I, want, what I was trying to get to earlier was, was that in our pursuit to find what is right, usually you get to the point where you realize that you can never, ever know what is right. Because you can just keep looking and looking and looking. You'll never know. So once you realize that, that's when you you become humbled and you take a step back and say, I can never know everything. So therefore, I can never, ever really take a hard stance on something. Because like you were saying, you know, we can't know every side of every possible angle of any topic. Right. And, and this is another important thing to bring up that in this emotional work of course this this podcast is about uh, managing your emotions not stuffing them and not taking them out on per- people but one of the very first recognitions is anytime you have an emotional reaction that is your stuff to deal with because once again nobody can make you mad nobody can make you sad you choose that so see what happens is so many people get projected into duality because they're caught off guard, someone takes a hard stance against something that they've said or that they believe, and then they feel like they need to use force with force, and it winds up just getting out of control to where if you uh, just walk with compassion day in and day out and that your first reaction is, oh, that just made me a little um, upset, and instead of reacting and texting something back or saying something back to this person, the very first question I'm going to ask is, Alexander, why are you allowing this to affect you this way? That internal why that we keep bringing up. And that's the first step, because if you get more interested in why you are allowing yourself to get into that position, it dissipates the need to go external. And then normally that why is answered by something in your past of a sibling or a parent or someone that talked to you similarly, and we are having a knee-jerk reaction because it's tied to those similar events in the past. So this is a big key to um, this emotional wellness that we're talking about, is that first step is to turn that why inside and dissipate the external fire that is starting to get built. And and then you go into compassion. And so one of my favorite sayings is, maybe you're right. I'll look at that a little bit deeper. So anytime I get into a um, potential debate opportunity, that's a phrase that I will use. If I've stated my truth and someone else states their truth and those are opposing, then we're not likely to change each other's minds in that moment in time. So what I have uh, chose to do over many years is show the person respect. And I happen to feel that if you want to teach somebody to hear, then you listen to them. You don't tell them to listen. You listen. So if you want somebody to respect your views, then it's a good practice to respect others 
even if you don't agree. So that little saying of, you know, maybe you're right. I'll look at that a little bit deeper. That is not me agreeing to anything, but it helps the person to hear that they're right. And that's what most people are looking for. So, and then maybe later on, a few days down the road, we can have a more civil type conversation about it because there was that respect that was there in the initial engagement of that subject. Well, I want to say that sounds good in theory, but <laughs> it's really hard in practice. I've <laughs> I've always kept that in my mind, and I don't know if I've been <laughs> I don't know if I've been successful with it yet because I could just feel my ego roar up when I've when I've considered saying that, and I usually just don't say anything at all mm-hmm. versus saying that, and I don't, and again, that's probably my ego not wanting me <laughs> to feel like that. I'm giving them an edge. I mean, but I told I get I understand it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just hard. Yeah, it is something that has to be practiced. And that's why, you know, with any of this work, I say, you know, uh, be prepared to practice it a minimum of 100 times and probably fail at least half of those times. So once again, to reiterate that this work is a gradual change over long periods of time and that you're you're not just going to fix this like really quick. Um, it is something that has to be practiced. But it gets to a point to where you realize that that knot that comes in your belly when you're uh, feeling attacked and you want to attack back, the way to dissipate that knot is through acceptance and through um, compassion. And that's what I choose now over being right. I want to be at ease. I'd rather be at ease internally than to be right. And so I happen to feel that you know, I don't really have a problem with letting anybody be right about any subject in this world. It still doesn't change my perspective of it. And most of the time, anybody makes a statement out there in the world, they're not likely to adhere to a different point of view once they've made a statement because now the ego is involved. So, yeah, so working on that to get to the point to realize that when somebody uh, initiates that that opportunity for you to uh, get tense or to get uh, frictional um, to see that, see, when you practice not allowing that to happen, you're not just working with that singular issue. You're working with similar issues all through your life and then similar issues that are going to come up for you uh, in the time to come. So once again, this is the kind of stuff that we do need to be reminded of uh, quite often and uh, another reason of why we're doing this podcast, so people can listen to it as much as they need to. Yeah, that's a good point. Because in the in the moment, you feel like it's just one little sliver of your time in your entire life. But really, what you just said is that it resonates all the way into your past and will resonate all the way into the future based on how you handle that, that one issue. Yes, and this is where I like to uh, point out that we have the opportunity to heal the past, the present, and the future all simultaneously with this work because anytime you're working in the present moment, uh, the past is connected to it. Um, So anytime you have an emotional reaction, it has very little to do with the situation at hand. It's really a combination of many similar events throughout your life that has compounded to create this reaction. So that's why when you choose to not react or stop the ripple as I, the emotional ripple, as I say, call it, um, you are 
working to not allow those things from the past to continue to bother you. So it's a way of of smoothing that over, of healing that that wounded child, if you would. Now, once again, I'm not talking about suppression. So if you know that happens and you're able, some some kind of emotion is generated, but you're able to catch it and do these couple of things that I'm talking about to to not project it, to turn it inside, and then to want to come from a place of compassion. If you're able to, you know, do that every time you do it, you will get faster at it. You will get better. But it's very similar to lifting weights. You're not going to just do it a few times and have the body that you want. You have to do it for many, many years, and it, it compounds. And at the same time, when you're working on uh, that present moment and all the things that are connected to the past, you are stopping the ripple for you to exemplify that to your children or to your siblings or to your parents. So you stop the the ripple from continuing so that's why I like to say that this work is much deeper than just um, working on your emotions. It's really bringing wellness into the past, the present, and the future. And I'll share a quick story because this happened yesterday that has to do with what you just talked about. I was on Facebook and I was in a group and we were discussing uh, a subject that had to do with science and uh, somebody in the group gave his perspective on why he thought the topic um, or why he didn't agree with it. And it was something that I felt was completely unscientific. And, and for the, you know, if we're all coming together to figure certain things out, I figure, you know, we should establish, uh, where most of the information we share comes from a scientific basis. So mm-hmm. we shouldn't just be throwing out opinions because it just kind of clouds, clouds everything. Cause we're in this group, we kind of come together to decipher and research certain topics and I asked a question because I honestly wanted to know, but I think I, I guess this is a failure of the generator where we say things very bluntly. And of course, we're going through text. So that just really clouds things. Yes. So I asked the question and I, I guess it was a little snarky and he took it that way. And, and we just kind of went back and forth a little bit, n- not like angrily, but just kind of like snippy at each could other. Feel the tension. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I could, man, I could feel a building. And then. And then his responses seemed like he was fired up. And I kind of resorted to, to gifts to kind of illustrate what, I, what, what my reactions were. And, uh, and to me, I, I kind of like took it as like a joking. I wasn't really fired up, but I, but I know that I was kind of playing with him a little bit and kind of getting him or keeping him in that fired, in that fired emotional state. And our, our conversation kind of dwindled and... I stepped away from the computer a little bit and I was like, man, I don't like how this feels. It just didn't feel right. And I'm a person, I know a lot of people out there who have this same thing where whenever we have a miscommunication with somebody, it just doesn't sit right. You just mm-hmm. like kind of hold it and you're like, man, I wonder if they understand where I was coming from. And I don't know if that's that's an image issue thing or if we're really just, it's an energetic thing where we feel like there's energy built up that wasn't dispersed. Yeah, because most people, I mean, most people don't feel heard and almost everyone wants to force that. And then, like you said, once you get away from it, you start thinking about, well, maybe I could have said that different. Um, maybe I could have uh, used a different tone. And so then follow with a continuation. Yeah, and you kind of, I mean, because even though I was just kind of having fun with him, I was still in an emotional state. I was still, I still felt like I was in a light battle, mm-hmm. you know, like I wasn't 
giving. And when I was away, I thought about it and I was like, man, I don't like how that, how that feels. And, and it seemed like the whole thing was a miscommunication because ultimately I was coming from an honest perspective where I really just wanted to, wanted him to clarify why he said it a certain way. So I went back and I, I, I wrote, you know, two paragraphs where I explained everything of where our failure to communicate happened and what, what I was honestly trying to communicate to him mm-hmm. and just apologized because I didn't mean, I ultimately didn't want this to happen, but sometimes we get caught and, and I didn't catch it right away. Right. And I just kind of get carried away until I was able to step away and really feel out how it all subsided. And and then he came back and and said, you know, all a good, all is good in love and war. And then he apologized for, for you know, being snippy back. But after that happened, it just, you know, it felt like a weight was lifted mm-hmm. and, and that we just had a, a better ener- energetic exchange and I don't know, man, I don't, right, <laughs> I, now, I like that feeling. I think that's a good point that, you know, you got to that, but the whole point, uh, uh, through, through an apology, which is what most people still struggle with doing. And as you can see, uh, you received what you gave when you were giving friction, you got friction. When you gave apology, you happened to get apology because I know with you, it was earnest so, like, this is the uh, the attraction point of this work is that you got to that feeling better. You didn't change his view. He didn't change your view. And that could have all been avoided by just doing these steps earlier. Because that's what we, once we get that emotional fire built, part of it is we we feel like we'll feel better if we uh, get some of those words out. And those never come across or received typically well. And so that's where the friction comes in. So I like to suggest that very rarely can a conflict be resolved face to face or in the moment when the the conflict began. Because it takes that time, like when you just stepped away from the computer for a little while, stepping out of the energy to see it more clearly. Once again, here I'll bring in to live without preferences. And we talk about this in the pillars as well. So when we have too much of a preference to be heard, to be right, we go through this frictional stuff. Most people don't go through the apologetic step. So they just continue carrying that churning like in their in their their abdomen. Uh, most people do. And then they may engage with somebody at work the next day, bring up the subject. That person may have a similar stance to who you had a conflict with on the phone call or on Facebook, and now all of a sudden you're in a conflict with this person. And so that's the beauty of life is it's going to keep bringing you the opportunity to get the lesson. And here, from my perspective, the lesson is is to be strong in your stance, be non-emotional in your delivery, and then respect other people's points of view and their perspectives or perceptions. Now, what I have seen proven is that the person that is most clear in their perception and most consistent in their practice is the one that is going to wind up um, influencing more people. So that's the thing. If you can't, if you can't get some one person to see your point of view, um, you can allow that to either affect you and it could carry on through the rest of the day or the rest of the week, or you could choose to not let that one person affect you and then you might talk to 30 other people that 
for the rest of that day, that conversations go really good because you didn't let that knock you off of your um, balance point, so to say. But once we get knocked off, uh, it changes the way we approach the rest of the day, typically, um, and sometimes days or weeks even. Um, and I know people that hold on to stuff for 20 years or more. You know, and uh, that's just draining energy, constantly holding on to that type of perceptions or views. And after we had that apologetic exchange, you know, I felt like <laughs> I'm going to describe it in a weird way that like we were buddies, like not in a weird way, but I just felt like the like I had a deeper respect, even though I don't know the but, person. Yeah. But I just feel like our energy flow is now it's it's like a straight line in a way and there's nothing, there's no barriers. And again, I don't know the person, but, but it also affected the way I looked at everybody else as well. Yeah. And see, once again, you got to, um, that point of accepting each other's views and not agreeing with each other. So see, you got to the point that, that I'm interested in getting in. Uh, I just want to get there as quickly as possible. And so, yeah, you didn't say the phrase, maybe you're right, but you just went about it in a way to apologize. And fortunately, he apologized back. And then that signs for respect. That's what got the respect was the apology, not the opinion. But see, you can gain that respect so much quicker by acknowledging I uh, see that differently, but I respect the way that you look at that. And maybe I'll look at that a little bit deeper and continue to research that. See, when somebody hears that, it makes them more willing to look at theirs or your view more deeply. But if you're st if you're standing strong in a stance, then they're going to stand strong in their stance. So this just took the way that you described it just took a lot more time and a lot more energy. But you still got there. And the beautiful thing is that you got there with a with a stranger, uh, so to say. So that shows uh, another skill set. But in life, if we just practice these little things and not let them bother us, then we'll be much more effective uh, to many more people around us. That is well said. Uh, one thing I wanted to, to talk about or touch upon is how sometimes we start to identify with our perspectives or our views on when we take a stance on good or bad or, or, or if things are good and bad and how that can affect us uh, going forward, uh, where we're we're judging certain things, but then we're identifying as that. So, so for instance, if we if we think something, whatever it is, a topic is good, but there's a group of people who think it's bad, we would then identify ourselves as being part of that group that think it's good, and and we're those dynamics where it just it creates a lot of tension because then you're dividing who you would, I guess have respect for in a way like already before even talking to those people yeah and and again a key word here is respect and um you know i like to say that respect is given but uh trust is earned and so in these situations where you know there are these different views to keep that in mind right away is that respect factor is going to help you more than likely receive respect but if a person's not willing to give it they're probably not going to receive it uh and lots of people out there that are strong in their opinions they're not respectful and this is where 
you know, debating. Uh, there's even, you know, uh, debate classes and groups uh, talking about a group, like you were saying, that learn to um, challenge each other with with words and opposite opinions without getting so like worked up. And so that is part of the um, the system, even as, you know, going through people to be lawyers and that type of thing, have to learn to, to debate without getting all emotional. And so there's a way to do that uh, detached, like emotionally detached, and there's a lot of people that, that are that way. And then there's a way but to manage and be an emotional being and not suppressing and managing that as well. So getting back to your question about groups is that most everyone is looking for uh, that tribe feel. And this is so funny. The, the best way I can explain this is um, I play basketball from time to time. And uh, so we'll play five on five full court. And, you know, I have a group of five guys. And when they're on my team, you know, they're my boys, blah, 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 blah. But then as soon as we change teams and they get on the other side, then somebody else steps in and becomes that that person. And now the person is on the other side is the enemy, so to say. And that could be my best friend. Um, so, see, the key here is competition, is what brings this challenge in. And things don't, everything doesn't have to be competitive. Um, most things are generated to be competitive, and that's what we look for with people that like the same football teams as us or basketball teams or the same NASCAR driver. I mean, as soon as we feel like somebody thinks or likes something the way that we do, there's an immediate like connection. And then we lots of times we'll use our minds to judge somebody uh, just for having a differing opinion about uh, a specific subject. And you could have 9,000 other things in common uh, and never get to those because the, the duality is so strong. The, the opinion of that you're holding, uh, you want to defend it so bad that you're not interested in knowing this deeper level of this person. And that's what people um, – it's what tragedies bring people together and they make – tragedies make people forget all of this silly stuff that we're talking about. Um, just as when the World Trade Center you know, went down uh, many years ago – Everybody, the Americans came together. It wasn't about race. It wasn't about color. It wasn't about ethnic type. It wasn't any of that. Uh, everybody just came together. And so this is the breeding ground uh, for competition and for division. And it's used in our culture through the media purposely to give us information limited and to keep uh, people in duality about the subjects not don't give enough information for everyone to be fully informed and it keeps everybody um, in competition. And if you keep people divided, of course, uh, you can control them better. So the group feel is an important uh, point to bring up. And, uh, you know, we should be careful of the groups that we're looking to join and uh, maybe stay a little bit more lighthearted about that and understand that, yes, even though these guys are on my basketball team, um, and I'm feeling close to them right now, we may not have anything in common when we get off the court. So, of course, sports is just one analogy with that, but uh, but there is a, a deep yearning for most people to be part of a clique or a group, 
and then those groups get together and sometimes they can do very so-called positive things or they can get together and do very so-called negative things. And once again, that comes from the perception of the person that's judging it. So in my struggle to understand the, the good and bad and, and how to utilize it in my life and, and in my perspectives, because I know a lot, of, a lot of people out there are going to have similar questions when they look at this subject and using it within their own life and how they view things. And, and a lot of people are going to question, well, you know, there are good and bad. And so I have to choose. There, there just can't be, like, everything just can't be good and bad. And I wanted to share one of the ways I looked at it. So what is the purpose of life when we think about it? You said that it's contentment, and I I agree with that. I think it's not happiness like people say. It's contentment um, because when you're searching for happy, you're ultimately going to get uh, the opposite emotions. So when we're content, we're not judging. Uh, We're not looking at things as good versus bad or right versus wrong. We're just... I don't know, existing or we're just content. We're not looking for these battles. We're not looking to choose. We're not looking uh, for the duality. We're lessening our preferences. Yeah. And uh, and once again, you know, that doesn't mean, um, and I get a lot of people that uh, from time to time will have resistance when they hear me say that. Uh, and so that doesn't mean that I, you know, I like green beans better than broccoli, but... If I go to someone's house and they have broccoli, I can certainly eat and enjoy the broccoli rather than just lamenting and being stuck in my opinion of wanting green beans and not being able to enjoy the meal. So, so see, in, in questioning our preferences, it's normally when other people are involved and there's nothing that I need to prefer um, – other than the overall good of everyone involved and safety. Uh, outside of that, I feel that you know one can be very flexible. And instead of creating a duality or a, a challenging somebody, um, you know, I like to suggest to the one thing that you can manage uh, typically is your environment. So you can remove yourself from any situation that you don't want to be part of. But you don't have to challenge every situation that you don't want to be part of. Now, there is a time uh, to make a stand, and there is a time for everything. But the majority of stands that people are making are uh, just not necessary. And uh, lots of times it is over social media or in a social-like conversation to where Nobody, most of the the subjects that people are talking about and arguing about, uh, the people that are discussing them have nothing to do with the situation anyway, Um, and it can't be proven. So this is just a, what it is, is it's just a reminder that we're all children until we become conscious. Our age does not determine our adulthood, and our culture did not teach us to process emotions in any way, shape, or form. Therefore, we're really running around at about an eight-year-old's emotional uh, level of understanding. We're just in bigger bodies. 
So I like to suggest that and say, view the world and people do eight-year-old goggles. You know, speak with somebody the way that you would to an eight-year-old, um, hopefully with respect, with consideration, with compassion. But if they have a different view, you know, you don't have to start yelling and screaming at them. That's not going to help the eight-year-old to understand and learn how to communicate. So this is all a process of communication, and that's why we break this down to you know, a physical or mental disease normally stems from a weakness in the energetic field. The energetic field gets weakened through suppression or over-exaggeration of emotions, and the emotions get activated through failure to communicate. So in this communicating, the more neutral you can be, the less preference that you carry when speaking and using your words, the less altercations you will attract in, and the more conscious communication will be happening. <laughs> so it's just one big cycle. And, you know, how many times are we going to do this in our lives? At some point, everybody's going to have to come to questioning themselves. Or, you know, what is their purpose in life? Is it, you know, is it to be content? Because then if it is, then we need to start looking at these things, uh, you know, uh, on our own terms. Yeah. And, and just because I happen to use that term, you know, uh, in that conversation of being asked, hey, what is life about? And I said contentment. Um, that doesn't mean that anybody's going to agree with me. Uh, that's through my own struggles of seeking out success, seeking out happiness, seeking out love, seeking, 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 and realizing that the more that I seek, the more challenges that I bring in. And uh, I had a wonderful man uh, many years ago when I was studying sound healing in California that I met, and uh, he had a little saying that what I have is enough and what I need will be provided. And that was like a little mantra that he shared with me. And for many years, I used that every day, um, what I have is enough and what I need will be provided. But that's a, um, you know, that's a mantra of trust. That's a mantra of staying in gratitude at all the times uh, of what you do have, not focusing on what you want so much. And being in that vibration um, and seeing that clearly, life typically brings that person that contentment, that peacefulness. That does not mean that they don't go through challenges. Um, but it's how you process the challenges and how you move through them. Doing this work isn't going to keep anyone from having life experiences. Uh, the key to this work is how quickly you get through the situation and get back to what I call juicing in life. Um, and if our life's not juicing, it's no one's responsibility but our own. And the majority of people that aren't juicing, it's just their perception is off and they have too many preferences, too many wants. And that doesn't mean that uh, a person should just give up on life and not not put forth any effort. Once again, it's about being in the flow of your own individual life. And that's why all the tools that we talk about uh, helps to dissect that so you can understand more about yourself as an individual and how to approach things rather than trying to fit into the mold that all of us was put in um, and certain of us succeed to uh, different degrees and other struggle because the system was designed for a specific uh, parameter of a uh, person, the way they learn. And we have uh, many more uh, various ways of learning than just that one way. So compassion, 
patience, um, and turning the wise inside. So another reminder, anytime you catch yourself going, why do they treat me this way? Or why is this happening to me in my life? And you can tell that the why is an external. Turn that why inside. Why am I allowing this to affect me? Where have I been affected similarly in the past? And then if you will go to that point in the past and make peace and forgiveness and truly accept that, then there will be less of those situations coming up in the present moment. So as we always do at the end of every every episode, based on what topic we're talking about, how can one utilize the polarity or duality of good versus bad, right versus wrong in their life on their journey towards consciousness? Well, once again, it is uh, first just sitting down and getting... Uh, real with yourself about how important your opinions are to you. And then, however, whatever level that is, understanding that it's a fact that it's just as important, if not more important, other people's to them. So in that first step is the step of acceptance, that we are all a bunch of individuals running around, and our perceptions or the way we see things are typically you know, directed by life experiences and training um, from our parents, from our culture. And then the other point is that we should understand that we can't trust our memories because we remember things the way we want to, not the way that they really happened. So in these situations and every day in, day out, I like to suggest for everyone to just pay attention uh, in their abdomen, uh, where most people carry this this knot that feels uh, like it's twisting when one has an emotional reaction. So I like to say, get used to that, that area. And as soon as you feel something twist, know that an emotion is coming up. And it's not as important what that emotion is as to you catching it and then asking the wise wise. Why am I allowing this to, to bother me like this? And so uh, approaching it, whether it's a, a verbiage like I gave earlier, an out in the conversation, um, because conscious communication and emotions, they don't coexist. Uh, when we become emotional, there's really no more communication that's happening. Um, there's just talking. So... So one way to get to that point, the quickest was what my suggestion of being able to, to stop the situation and say, you know what, maybe you're right. I'll look at that a little bit deeper. Can we talk about this at another time? Because you want to get out of the situation as quickly as possible to not get, make the fire any bigger than it is. And so whether it's that phrase or you just uh, ask to maybe talk about it uh, at some other time, uh, to bow out because what you want to do is you want to get away from that energy, away from that emotional energy so that you can see it clearly like you did when you stepped away from the computer uh, with that dialogue you had going with the guy on Facebook. And it just take, took that moment for you to step away to see it more clearly, to feel it more clearly. And then you went immediately into compassion and wanting to apologize and make sure that you weren't misunderstood. So... This can be practiced with our children. If they say something, if we tell the child to do something and they say something back and it makes us want to uh, discipline them very harshly or anything like that, to learn to ease that uh, feeling 
and to not react right away, uh, to give it a few moments. And that's what the first step in all of this work is for mainly people to learn to just not react initially. And so taking a pause anytime you feel that twist in your stomach to train yourself to I'm going to pause here, no output. And then the next step is typically to remove yourself from the situation. But I do think it's important to plan a time to talk about that subject with the person. And then go into, uh, as soon as you can, a compassionate way of looking at things. Once again, while staying in as much non-preference as you can, because you've accepted that everyone has a strong opinion. So we're not looking for the resolve at this very first stage because the first steps are managing that emotional reaction. So I like to say, take the pressure off of resolving the situation every time and just work at as soon as you feel that emotional uh, reaction, don't vomit it at the mouth. Don't show a reaction. Take a pause, take a time out and remove yourself from the situation as soon as possible. And then more than likely, uh, I like to suggest to go out, go for a walk, uh, get it out verbally, say it out loud what you wanted to say in that reactionary state, because once you have that reaction, it's being created in you. You need to get it out. That's why I say speak it to the wind, to the sky, to the trees, to Mother Earth, but just get it out, get that vibration out. And then if the person will uh, come back after that and and resume that conversation at a later date, they've released the emotion, they've managed it, and now they're coming with a little bit less preference and possibly more compassion, and the possibility for true conscious communication has increased greatly. And the more that you practice this with every situation that you can, just the, the faster you get better at it. Um, just like anything, practice uh, helps to be better. We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The information in this podcast has been developed over 20 years by Alexander in his observation of his personal life, private practice, and professional environments. This information is meant for educational purposes only and is not suggested as a replacement for traditional therapies or medications. As a matter of fact, we suggest to not believe any of this information, nor any of the information out there in the world. Remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. We are looking forward to continuing to provide this information through this platform, and if you are drawn to support us, you can do so by the following. Sharing is caring. Share the podcast with like-minded individuals. Emotional responsibility and energetic wisdom can save the world. If you are drawn to support us monetarily, you can do so by visiting our patron page where you can make a monthly donation in exchange for exclusive Wise Wise perks. You can do this by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Next, you can head over to Alexander's website where you can book private consultations in person, by phone, or on Skype 
Find out more information on his live performances, class schedules, products, including birth chart analysis reports and music, and check out more information on his sound therapy tables. To do so, you can visit vibrotune.com, V-I-B-R-O-T-U-N-E.com. Finally, if you have been searching your entire life for consciously created apparel featuring the WiseWise logo apparel, Alexander theme clothing, or other alternative perspective designs, you can head over to Verity's Apparel, where you can find all that and more. That is veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. We want to thank you for being part of this journey.